Thank you for joining us on our journey here to preserve the history of mixed martial arts. When I wanted to take on this project, I needed help. I brought in one of my favorite matchmakers, Miguel Iterate, and the MMA detective, Mike Davis. So to do this, we've been able to preserve history. Welcome and enjoy. Hey, Lights Out fans, Miguel Iterate here. Hey, hey, don't be afraid, I'm solo here, but uh, it's a very special podcast coming up here. You know, we got... Shoni Carter, another 50 Fight Club member coming in. And it's a little bit of a different twist. Shoni's from Chicago. Mike Davis, the MMA detective, is from Chicago. Now, I don't know if you've caught all our podcasts, but every once in a while, we've been able to catch people live and uh, with Chris and Mike and stuff. And here, Mike was able to go one-on-one with Shoni. I think Mike shines. It shows him at his best, the MMA detective, with a guy he knows, with a guy who's got a resume that's a mile long going back and he's just going to go into his career of the 1990s where Shoney already probably had like 50 something fights. So very special interview, Mike Davis with Mr. International Shoney Carter live from Chicago. My name is Mike Davis. Welcome to the Lights Out podcast. With me is none other than Shoney Carter. So Shoney, when you look at the history of mixed martial arts, Shoney has got not only a long storied history, but he kind of falls into a category of like a character. Like if you were to write a movie or a script for like a major, you know, carrier, um, you know, when you talk about like Shoney in regards to like what he's done, what he's accomplished in terms of fighting career, military, on and off, uh, in and out of the ring, I should say, um, it'd be kind of a, a far stretch in order to kind of really encapsulate who you are as a person. So we got Shoney in person. We're gonna to try to do more of these, but you know they take a little. It's a little, little tricky at times. Obviously, I'm flying solo. No Miguel or Chris with me. I miss them. Mig, uh, Chris had said only UFC years with him. So yes. Shoney and I will only be talking his fights from the 1990s. And when you have such a huge career such as yourself, it's difficult to really kind of do an overall when um, there's so much in it. So, yeah. Shoney, why don't we start with the basic question that Chris Ladd always asks, what was your introduction to mixed martial arts? The crazy truth, I was on a different path to life, and not including fighting. I was trying to make the 96 Olympics in Greco on the wrestling, going to the Olympic trials in Chattanooga, Tennessee, blowing out my ACL, still placing fourth at the Olympic trials, and yeah, it was nuts because no one really get, understood my credentials and pedigree. I was on a couple world teams in Greco-Roman wrestling. I think you were a junior college national champion as no, well? No, no, fourth in the nation. Fourth in the nation, okay, I knew it was and out I, there. Yeah, and then I, I won the U.S. nationals, the regionals and nationals in Greco-Roman at 149 and 163. And the hilarity was that when I was on campus, I was a U.S. Marine. And coming from the hood, he, okay, remember this, y'all. I'm bald head, I'm older. I had a high top fade, like kid and play. I was wearing great contact lenses with a relaxer. And I was trying to hide who I was coming from the hood by becoming a tough Carlton Banks. I literally had, I was the guy on campus that wore long sleeve shirts with cufflinks, a tie clip, and suspenders. I was horrible at hiding who I was. So I was an art major on the wrestling team, walking around with a Bravo pager. You kids don't know what that is. It was like a global pager for the military and civilian use too. Well, 
my friends didn't believe me I could fight because I was from the west side, even though I was from the west side of Chicago, they were from Naptown, Indianapolis. And they were from uh, Miami and North Kakalaka, North Carolina. And so they thought they were hard. And I'm like, <laughs> so they dared me. They were trying me all the time about, dude, what's up? I'm like, my man. Now I put in the lock, locked the dorm. I couldn't have a roommate. So I said, we can do this right here in the hallway. So I scraped the soccer player, the basketball player, two football players, and some other jabroni. Oh, his name was Freddie Yabala Bingo. You know, Yabala Bingo Freddie. He did Kung Fu. And I told him, not take Kung Fu Cha. And he was like, what? Not take Kung Fu Cha. Your Kung Fu no good here. And so everybody's like, that ain't what I mean. Okay. So he did. He does this hoochie juji shit, and I just, I, I clenched with him in a belly-to-belly position, and I belly-to-belly suplexed him right in the hallway dorm. And he goes, oh, get off me, it's not fighting, and I literally put my forearm across the bridge of his nose and started grinding, just being a dick. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't bash the guys, because they were wrestling, and they were all-Americans, or, you know, they were my homies. So then they, everybody knew I, knew I could fight, but they didn't really think I would really get down. During the tournament, I literally fought this guy. He had a, a eight ball in the back of his head. But he called himself Q-Ball Jones, he's black. And I couldn't figure out why he's called himself Q-Ball, but he's black. With an eight. Anyway, so I wrecked this guy. I belly to belly suplex him. If y'all catch a theme, I like throwing people. So I wrecked him. I fought this other guy who didn't have pissed himself after he saw me wreck the number one guy in the tournament. I get to the finals, unbeknownst to me, James Tiger McCord, James McCord, jumped into the tournament. He was the number uh, three ranked 142-pounder uh, in Division Two. Okay. And I literally stood up when we got to the, you know, in the ring, and I bowed to him and said, I did like this. And I got out the ring. They were like, dude, you can't. I just tapped out. And they are like, what? The? I said, because we was at a Southern Baptist Conservative Christian College, Carson Newman College. We weren't not supposed to be there. They were serving alcohol. We weren't supposed to be there. I was not supposed to be doing an underground fight. And I was on a full scholarship. I ain't about to lose a full scholarship over some bullshit $1,000 fight. Hell to the double, hell no. So literally, I was 2-0, and oh, well 2-1. and one. Three and one, two. But you just took that tap. Yeah, yeah I did, but he didn't even touch me. I just tapped out and got out the ring and walked away. And everybody was mad because I wouldn't fight him. So basically, I had three or four fights coming into MMA. And because I did judo and I was a Greco-Roman guy, my first martial arts appearance was at the state championships for judo in Tennessee. I took a half a semester of judo. I won the white belt to green division, the brown belt division, and I placed second in the black belt division with only a semester of formal judo. Wow. So, in essence, what you're explaining is you, you've always just been kind of involved with mixed martial arts. Yeah. But on February 15th, 1997, yeah. you fight in Extreme Challenge 3. Yeah. Which was your first recorded fight online yep. against Laverne Clark. Nine seconds. TKO. I remember. And let me tell you, it was hilarious. Monty Cox 
caused me. What caused Bob Sherman? Excuse me, Master Bob Sherman. So, so you were training at Combat Doe. Combat Doe. Combat Doe. <clears throat> so Combat Doe, uh, Bob, Master Bob Sherman, for yep. those of you guys that don't know, i got to kind of set the table. Right. He was one of the first Americans ever to have a draw against Carlson Gracie Jr. in a jiu-jitsu match. Yep. And he's kind of got a storied history with, with mixed... Mixing the arts, I should say, yes. and he's got a you know a, a studio in Cicero, Illinois. It's yeah. been open probably close to fifty years, at least. At least. So you started with him. Yeah. So how did you get involved with Bob? Literally, I was wrestling at Triton College, and I had just won the Artcraft Memorial Tournament at 150 pounds, which is right down the street from Combat Dog. No, no, no. It's not too far. You're no, talking no, no, about 290 no. in Ireland. No, North Avenue. North Avenue okay. and First Avenue okay. in River Grove. Sounds good. So, I won the I won the Outstanding Wrestler, most takedowns, and the I won the tournament. My buddy named George was already training with me. So you're talking about George Spacek, I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, so, why I am recalling that I don't yeah. know. So I, go yeah, ahead. You, you know. <laughs> so literally, he tried to put me in a thumb wrist lock. When I first met him, he shook my hand. I was like, hey, it's a pleasure meeting you, sir, blah, blah, blah. And he, puts it, he tries to do a, a funky arm wrist lock on me. And I countered it. Because when you grab somebody's hand, you know, like you do like a handshake. Yeah. And he did something like this to ro- and then yeah. roll it in. Well, I knew how to break the count. I know how to counter the, the lock. And he's like, oh. I said, yeah, you're a Marine. And he's like, I'm a Marine. And he was actually one of them old school. He's an old school Marine. He was supposed to go in and kill Pol Pot during the, yeah, he was that dude. So that's how I got hooked up with Bob. And literally, speaking of Carlson Gracie, I was supposed to fight the same night on the undercard. But the guy, the Brazilian, never showed Okay, so your first fight, Mighty Cox, calls yeah. Bob Shermer for Extreme Challenge yeah. 3. And it used to be the Quad Cities Ultimate before it was Extreme Challenge. GCO. So it's kind of something that's just building right now. It's something yeah. that the Midwest really doesn't have right. and Monty might have the only cage in the Midwest at that time at this time oh my god yes. it was a square yes around a, a boxing ring right right it was a square so you had mentioned nine second KO yep but TKO TKO yes and you're on the receiving end of that I'm on the receiving end you know what he didn't tell me he was a state champion in wrestling he was a golden glove boxer and so luckily those little He's not just a Golden Glove boxer. He's actually, there's a guy, Anthony, there's a guy that he fought for two world titles, lost both times. From Iowa, it's the guy's main training partner. Right. Laverne Clark is legit. Is a legit, legit legit bad boy. Right. Yeah. And he's always not that good. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Future UFC fan. Right. I might add. Okay. Undefeated. Undefeated. Right. 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 So. Literally, I'm out there and my hands are like this because you know I'm trying to set up the you know the hot little body lock because I don't shoot double legs. Anybody ever finds any footage on me, I guarantee you will never find any footage of me shooting a double leg. But anyway, it's all over body. It's yeah. all over body. Yeah. Notice I don't have the big fluffy ear syndrome; it's just big. So, <laughs> literally, he he clips me, and I dropped him because I I've never been hit like that. Not like that. No, no, no. So literally, he threw another punch. He missed. And I got the fight on VHS. It's on Fight Pass. Right. Well, I, UFC fight yes, pass. I have it on VHS. So literally, thank God, he missed the second punch. TKO nine seconds. I'm mad at me, mad because I didn't even put on a mouthpiece. 
I didn't wear a mouthpiece for the flight. I'm like, I don't need no fucking mouthpiece. Give me some toilet tissue. Yes. Yeah, pre commission. Pre commission. Yeah. So Wild West when that happened, no holds barred. No, this is real. This is real. Bad motherfucker for real fighting. So literally the next day, after getting TKO, I go to Pat Miller's training camp, and I rolled with every. I said, "You ain't gonna treat me like no punk, bitch. I ain't nobody to screw up. Mama didn't raise no punk." I start scoring takedowns on everybody. I'm throwing Todd Fredrickson. Pat didn't touch me. Matt Hughes wasn't even in the game yet because he knew it better. And I said that. That's right, Matthew. So, <laughs> literally, was JP in the business yet? Jens Pola. Well, I think Mark Hansen. Hansen. Mark Hansen Mark was Hansen. one of their head. Right. And, and, I mean, just a footnote. Mark Hansen, for you guys at home that don't know, he was a police officer. Did maybe like seven, eight mixed martial arts fights. Yeah. Had he continued with his career... Pat, uh, Tim Sylvia probably wouldn't be in the UFC because that would have no. been their heavyweight pick right. and probably would have been wearing that belt at one point. That's, right. that's no slight no, on no Tim. Joke. No, that's no, no slight on Tim. Tim. Yes. Mark Hansen was that, was that dude. Was yes. that dude. So I, I rolled through all of their guys and literally, I mean, because I didn't want to think I was a punk bitch. So, so you, yeah. you, you had that going on, but... You know, the thing about you, Shoney, is you've got kind of a rabid, like, thirst for getting in, in, in the ring or cage. Yeah. And a week later, you actually take, you're on Extreme Challenge 4, you know, a couple hours away in Iowa against Chad Cox. Yes. Because it was at Kelso, it was Harvey's Casino. That shit really worked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Harvey's Casino. And literally, Pat was refereeing. I was wearing blue spandex. And some uh, Dan Gable Ultra XL wrestling shoes, which still have. But anyway, my Dan Gable Ultra XLs, and literally his girlfriend. He was before Colby Covington had it. Chad Cox had his girlfriend cornering him. And I'm like, oh, is that how we feel today, Mike Perry? Literally, Mike, Mike Perry. Perry. Yeah. yeah, Mike Perry. Well, okay, it's still kicking in. So <laughs> literally, I flick it, shot back, and I drop because I know I hit him with a, the first. I threw him with a double arm salto. Yeah, a lateral throw. Oh my God. I, I a double overhook, hit a belly to back lateral twist. And then he, he gets a, he gets up, tries to pull that guard shit. Mm-mm, pimping. Today you're going to learn. Fuck! Because after I lost to Laverne, I, I joined Sam Colon in boxing. <laughs> so. Uh, you had a week of boxing at San yeah, Colonna. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. When, when he city at the time. Right, right. It wasn't like I was like, so, yeah, so, I, I was learning, learning that thing. That fight ends 245 in the first round, yep. and, you know, you kind of you feel a little justified. Right. I, I feel, I, you know, I'm smelling my piss at the time. You know, I'm feeling good. So, your next fight's a few weeks later, March 15th, 1997, and it's at the Chicago Challenge 3 against Daniel Viana, who... Is an esteemed trainer yes. with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu today. He's got his own, he's still got a school. Amazing. He's am- he yes, made, I agree. The Vienna brothers are amazing. And so yeah. he fought to a draw. He couldn't choke me. I wouldn't let him choke me. He choked the hell out of me, but I wouldn't tap. It was, was the reason for the draw because it was if you made it to the end, there was. That's what it was. It was a draw. So there was no judges. The only way he lost is if it was definitive. Knockout or tap out. Okay, so. For you guys at home, in essence, what the promoters were doing is 
if you've got a, a show and win bonus, you have to pay when somebody wins. But if yeah. it's a draw, you just pay your show yeah. money. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a way for them to save money. And did you, you still, still get the show. Get the show. You, you still get the show. But yeah. also, there is no video on this at all anywhere. I looked. Who was, I, was, was that Joe Garcia, the promoter? No, his name was uh, Braulio Corral and, and Eric okay. Moe. So, so that was the Chicago Challenge? Do I have? No, I don't have it. I have the other one. Because Braulio threw the footage away. Yes. I talked to Eric Moe about that. Okay, so that's the Chicago Challenge. Chicago and then Challenge. from there you move to, I mean, and like I said, you've got kind of a rapid pace. Yep. And April 18th, 1997, you fight in a four-man tournament at Extreme Challenge 5. At the Sullivan Center in Davenport, Iowa, I fought Andy Sanders first. Then I fought... And this is like one of those legendary events. Yes. Yes. I fought Andy Sanders, and I threw him with a... a and I, I didn't want a Yoko Toshi for you judo people out there watching. And for you wrestlers, a lateral drop. And I threw it in such a way where his head landed was behind me. Because he tried to hit a duck under, and I still threw him into a cow catcher. If you don't know who the cow catcher is, come see me sometime. <laughs> 312-978-0782. You can train with me. <laughs> and I'll show you what a cow catcher is. You won't like it. So Andy Sanders is on one end of the bracket. Right. And then on the other side. Dun, 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 well, dun, this dun. is a what Monty Cox says. This is kind of like the brilliance that took place with Extreme Challenge. Yes. On the other side, he's got future world champion Dave Manet. UFC world champion. UFC world champion. Middleweight. Abu Dhabi veteran. Also, ADCC uh, veteran. And then he, he, he puts him against Laverne Clark just to kind of avoid. Right. I, prior to this, were you requesting Laverne again? Yeah. It seems like, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I know you, so. <laughs> yeah. So he splits you guys up, yeah. puts Laverne Clark and Dave Manet. And Dave Manet, Dave Manet has fought Laverne Clark on more than one occasion. And he takes heavy punishment, as you've always seen yeah. in Dave's career. Yeah. And Dave catches... Dave catches uh, Laverne in a triangle right, right after about the nine-minute mark. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it, was into, it was into the fight. It was into the fight. Yeah. So you got less than three minutes on one side. You got Dave Benet going through Laverne Clark. Mm-hmm. And he's got nine minutes where you two meet. Okay. Yeah. So if you guys got UFC Fight Pass, and in... And, and, if you look at the independent grind in regards to fights that took place, you got like Aaron Riley, Steve Berger, the hook and shoot fight, absolute classic. Yes. This fight is 20 minutes long. It's one round, 20 minutes. Oh, no, no, no. It's, is it 15 and 5? Was it 15 and 5? It's 15 and 5. You got a 15. Yes. Yeah, you yeah. got 15 minutes and then there's a five minute overtime period. Yep. It's, this fight's about a decade ahead of its time. It's mm-hmm. insane. There was rolling knee bars. Dave was trying rolling knee bars on, and luckily I, that OJT on the job training, <laughs> I literally had to figure out the anatomy of joint manipulation with Dave Minet and to protect my extremities, and I figured out how to roll out of a rolling leg lock. Yeah. So Shoney pulls off a split decision. Man, man. Against a future world champion. Against the, at 185. At 185. This is at 170 with no commission. Right. How did them weigh-ins go? 
<laughs> on a roof, on a house scale, on a carpet. Okay. okay. And you know what? Here's something, here's something I didn't tell you, which, by the way, wow, it's, 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 it's really working right now. Yeah. We have an inside secret. Yeah. Literally, when I mean literally, when Dave Monet was supposed, when he fought and won the UFC Midway World title against Eugenio Tadio, yeah, I got the phone call first from from Joel Silver. Joel Silver never explained the implications of that fight. We fought twice before Dave fought. What the end of that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. So, in essence. Chris, made, Chris Lytle made me promise not to talk about the right, UFC stuff right. because he's coming in a few weeks to do this in person. Yeah, it means yeah. that much to him. Yeah. So we're sticking to the 90s. Right. It's the so you've got a couple fights in between then. No, nothing like crazy of note. And then on March 6, 1998, you fight for the Indiana Mixed Martial Arts Challenge in a headline against a junior in high school named Keith Wisniewski. Oh my God. He was that young? Yes. That's insane. His Mom and dad, like the, I, he, I'd like to say he forged their name, but he didn't. Like their dad, uh, I, I think he had some a questionable dad. judgment, a and he signed a away true, a, true, a true dad moment, a savage. Yeah, yeah, yeah signed uh, the release form, and Patrick Robinson is the promoter for yes, this. Yeah, and you guys have the headline. Do you recall how that fight went? My God, yes. So, now was that the fight? Wait, let me think. Was that the fight when I was on the way to another fight? You were the headline, so I... Okay, wait a minute. Was Did I fight um, Jesse Jones right after that? I, it was after that, yes, Jesse Jones. Was it a week later or that day? I, you know what, I, 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 I glossed over Jesse Jones. So yeah, we're okay, I'm going to stick. Okay, I'm going to stick to this one. So, fighting Keith, they had these crazy rules that were well, deemed now crazy because it was like... No punches to the face on the ground or slaps or something. And he it was took, like pancreas rolls. Yeah, it was something it was crazy. So at this time, it was kind of the wild, wild west of mixed martial arts. Yeah, so they had to skirt around certain rules in order to make fights happen. Right. And are they traditional, like true no holds barred fights? No, they're not. No, but, but it's they're it's on people's records. Record. Right. And it is what it is. And I remember, like, punching to the body. And one time, one slipped. Oops, my bad. And the ref's like, show me better. I'm like, my bad. I got this on, I got that on VHS as well. So, literally, I'm like, oops. And I, I literally, you actually see me on camera going, oops. So, was that the side control neck crank? No, spinning back fist. Oh, I hit him in, I hit him in the brachial plexus. That's right. I, I, I didn't throw it like this. I hit him with the bottom fist. It's called Thor's hammer. People thought that Matt's, that other dude was the first one. No, 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 no. Keith was Nooski. And I hit him so hard that he didn't remember fighting. And he was like, he didn't remember shaking my hand. And I'm like, yeah, we did. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So we interviewed Keith, and he was one of our first interviews. Yeah. And he says to us, yeah, I, I think I congratulated him about seven or eight different times. Yeah, he did. I'm like, <laughs> he's just like, yeah, my dad and my brother were like, no, you already talked to him. And he's like, I did? And they had to convince me several times that the fight actually took place right. and that I had lost. And yeah, you're talking about a 17-year-old kid. And, and Keith right. Wisniewski, you know, for, for people at home, future UFC vet and... WC. 
Uh, I don't know if he fought at WEC, but he was he definitely fought mm-hmm. in the UFC. Yeah, and he is. fought Josh Neer. He's one of the guys that took like forty stitches in, in a yeah, fight. Yeah, the bloody one. But but also like if you look at the totality of Keith's careers, there were some legendary runs. Yeah, no, he, he that we covered in his interview. He was definitely that dude. Yeah, he was yeah. one of them dudes. Yeah, I have to agree. Yeah, yeah, and um, so. From Keith, you also fight in a four-man tournament against... Would you mind hitting pause, Jonah, for a second? So that was not your first time fighting for the Indiana Mixed Martial Arts Challenge. You actually also fought in a four-man tournament where you had some kind of like local favorites. Yes. Your first bout was against... uh, Was it Sean Brackmole? Yeah. Tough wrestler? Tough wrestler. I still threw his ass. And you win that with the, with a triangle. So then, that, that was a neck crank. Okay, it's listed as a triangle. Under no, 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 my, no, 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 it was a neck crank. I know that. One. So you know the funny thing at this time is like a lot of times there's no alternates in these tournaments. It's mm-hmm. some turn you know some like promoters were just kind of getting their feet wet. Yep. So on the other side of the tournament, you had Chad Williams that beat Matthew Childs in just over nine minutes, and. Uh, Matthew or Shad Williams couldn't continue. Yeah. So from the locker room, do you recall who they put in the finals? James Klingerman. James Klingerman. There we go. Shoney. Kling- Klingerman. Klingerman. You got that one. Right. So James Klingerman, for those of you who know him, he, he does the Ego Challenge Jiu-Jitsu tournament. Yeah. He's in Indianapolis, one of the mainstays, like in terms of the MMA and Jiu-Jitsu tournament. Yes. They put you in the finals against James, and but what they're not telling you is one, he's fresh, he's not yeah. fought on that car, right. and two, he is one of these grade A like Division One type athletes. Yeah, he's, he was. Yeah, yeah, and I laugh, I yeah. laugh because when I find out this stuff after the fact, and I he's get, a stud. James yeah, Clingerman's ATF, a stud after the fact. ATF. <laughs> <laughs> James Klingerman, although he didn't pursue like a lengthy MMA a career, career yeah. he did have like a, a, a very a good pedigree, a strong pedigree. A pedigree, jiu-jitsu career, black belt, yeah. Yeah. and the, the guy's an absolute stud. So, although it was a dominant performance on your end, Klingerman was like he was as slick as they could be, and I threw him too. Yeah, he did. He threw, I think more than once actually. Yeah, yeah. and you know, I always laugh because people never really understood. Even today, with the current MMA world, they, I've never, hard, hard, I say never, hardly ever got credit to, from people to understand what I was able to accomplish. And I giggle, not out of uh, anger, I just literally. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of kind of crazy thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I giggle. Because Klingerman is still tough. He's you know? very tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah tough old middle-aged guy at the, at the bar. And you don't know that you're about to get get scraped if you mess with him. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, he's that guy. And you're also on the precipice for a rematch with Dave Manet at Extreme Challenge 20, August 22nd, 1998, actually. Legendary event. So we're going to have Monty on talking about that event in particular because it's so historic. And what do you recall about your second meeting with Dave Manet, which is the co-headline? I remember us both ending up in the ER after the fight. I believe that. Yeah. And I thought I hit him with everything from the kitchen 
side of the kitchen, the living room, <laughs> the dining room, the den, the guest house, the stuff that was in the attic, the stuff that was in the basement, <laughs> the outhouse, the, the so, tractor in the back. I'm like, die! Won't you just die? Give me a sword. Give me a lightsaber. And you guys were talking to each other during that fight as well. Dude. Literally. I remember. Wow. Dude. Die. And he wouldn't die. So, so Dave Benet, in this fight, it's on UFC Fight Pass. It's extremely yes. There isn't a single inch in that ring that wasn't used. And the okay. shocking thing, like, like Shoney, we've, we've known each other obviously for a while. That's yeah, how we made yeah. this happen. But the surprising thing, well, I shouldn't say the surprising thing, but the one thing consistent about yourself is even if that person might be physically better than you, your cardio and your durability gets you a lot of wins. Can I tell you something about fighting? You can have all the baddest moves in the world. Your first job before any technique is the gas tank. And literally, I remember when it was starting tiptoeing into the era when you would go get pre-fight physicals. I had an over-enlarged aorta. My resting heartbeat was under 40 beats a minute. Doctors were like, what? whoa, what's going on? We can't pass you with this. I'm like, what, 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 what? I thought, so. I thought I was about to die or something. Because EEGs, EKGs, I didn't quite understand it and cared about it. Well, I had a resting heartbeat of 37 beats a minute. And for you, those of you who don't understand the anatomy physiology of it, That's really lovely. my heart was beating like I was living in the mountains. And essentially, I before the fight, I briefly mentioned about going to the Olympic trials. And I was in Tennessee, I was doing mountain relays with the ROTC guys, and I was the Marine on an Army ROTC running mountains. So, I was always afraid of being out of shape. I was mortally, people say, what are you afraid of? I, I can tell you, I just Running out of gas. I do not ever want to run out of gas. And on the other side of the card, you've got a spirited Dave Manet. Right, right, he, he wants some get back. And man, he, I, Shoney's a legend, it's, it, these are legendary fights that you and Dave are in, and there's, there's, yeah. there's a little bit of a weight difference, yeah. but Dave Manet at this point you could throw him against anybody in the world, anywhere, and he's going to be okay. Like Dave Manet yeah, is, is is one of the best in the world. Period. 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 Yes. Period, period. At this period. time, he really is. He's so much more advanced. And then you've got your slick submission defense, yeah. you know, with your I wrestling, was, your Greco yeah. offense, right? Against a guy that's pure pressure, I with know. you having a gas tank forever, ever, ever, ever. It's nuts. And, and it's, it's nuts. nuts. No, it's nuts. No joke. No joke. Splash backwards. From the Olympic trials to I'm fighting Dave Manet. Mm-hmm. When I tried for the Olympics in 96, I walked onto the mat at 2.14% body fat. Fighting Dave Manet, my body fat was probably 5 to 6%. And that was out of shape. <laughs> Literally, he was like, yeah, right. I'm like, I wrestled a bad in Russia. Climbing the pyramid, <laughs> ran in the Great Wall of China, and I'm like, "There's a, there's the, there's the tattoo from the Bear Wrestling match," <laughs> and <laughs> and he was like, "Really?" I'm like, "I laughed when they would talk about people's wrestling pedigree," and I'm like, "Dude, guys like Dave Manet, you you don't have that anymore. I'm no. sorry, you don't." No, 
And on top of like Dave, like like for instance, like it, there's a bit of education going on with the crowd at this point because right. you know at some point like the, whenever you go to the ground, the crowd would boo. But not this instance, but right. in the past, whenever we, you know, whenever yeah. then it, when it went to the ground, they would we cheer. were hustling, shaking, and moving on the ground. It, it sounded like you were in an eighty thousand seat packed venue. Yeah, yeah. Because that crowd really appreciated what they saw. It was it was pure. <laughs> it was. It was like something around a Rubik's Cube. Right. And it just never stopped. None, none. I'm doing like mad scramble. Yeah. Mad scramble. He was trying leg locks and heel hooks. And this is before anybody knew what a heel hook or a, a, a leg lock or a knee bar was. Let me throw yeah. a little caveat. Yes. Did you watch the main event that night? It was Dan Severn versus Pat Miletic. I see it in my head. But I don't remember. Little caveat. So, in essence, Becky Levy. Some would say it's Dan's manager. Others might call her an accomplice. Uh, Becky Levi approached Monty about changing the rules because Dan had a fight a week and a week from then, and you know maybe they yeah. shouldn't punch in the face. Monty said absolutely not. Right before they go out to fight, Becky goes to Pat's locker room and says, "Oh, Monty agreed to this. This is what's going on," and there was no punches in the face. Wow. So that's just kind of the slick stuff Dan Severn did. Even in 1998, a man with 101 wins, that should yeah. probably be closer to about 70 or 80. Yeah. Just, just... Put it out there. Yeah. So, June 1st, 1999. Yes. They fly you out to Honolulu, Hawaii. Super Brawl 12. Yes. So, you face Simon Posner, who is a stud stand-up guy. Yeah, with Matt Hume. With Matt Hume. Yeah. Why don't you walk us through? Because it's 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 a hard fight to watch. Oh my yeah. word! I fought uh, Simon Poison Posner. Yeah. And, wow. I'm gonna keep saying that to you. <laughs> so literally, I made a a, a, a logistical error by <laughs> I'm coming from Chicago. I'm a U.S. Marine. You can't drown me, sucker. So I go do a quick photo shoot, a self-imposed photo shoot, no doubt. At the beach, on the black stones, and there were black stone crabs on the on the rocks. I got the photo. So literally, I think that's a South Side of Chicago joke. Right, 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 right. There we go. So I got the cute sixty third. I got the, uh, the the, the Valley Tudo booty shorts with the eyeballs on the butt, and so I do the photo with the Extreme Challenge belt, and I get into Hawaiian open water. For the I'm not going to Hawaii and not sat been in that water. So I go jump in the water. And everything, and literally splashing around the water, planting the water. Next day is the fight. I got the fight on VHS. So literally, I remember watching the fight, keeping track in the fight. I throw twenty-five spinning back fists in this fight. I'm switching leads because this is when nobody had ever switched. Couple leads. throws. Couple throws. I hit him with fifteen spinning back fists. All of them. Every, you hit him with all your spinning back fists. <laughs> it did not knock him out. No. I'm like, Dios mio, cabrón. What the hell? And I'm talking about I'm doing fights off the grid <laughs> while doing these fights on the circuit. I'm doing underground fights, and this guy lasts. So the th- the first two rounds they're incredibly dominant. Oh my god! And then the third round comes and you're fading oh. at the second at the second round. You yeah. stumble to your corner 
without really getting punched hard. Yeah. None, none, none touch me. None touch me. I'm dying. So I'm dying. You, you know, you've got the you know, sea legs. Oh my god. Going to your corner. Stanky leg. Stanky leg. And you haven't really been punched. At all. It's exhaustion. Pure exhaustion. Not even exhaustion. <laughs> I ain't got enough to afford exhaustion. I just got exhaustion. So at the end of the fight. In essence, the sport of, I mean, this is the 90s. This is the, yeah. it's the Wild West of mixed martial arts. Bang, bang. bang so you got bang. a guy from Seattle, Washington with Dennis, with Dennis Hallman and Matt Hughes in his corner. You've got one guy, uh, Brian Gassaway. That, that's one of your lifelong friends. That's my dog. And in essence, what happens is dominant, dom- like 10-8 first round, in my opinion, 10-9 second round. Even, I mean, 10-9, third round. I, against you on a third round. Right. right. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah. so what they announce is a split decision draw. What the? Who? Okay. Now, you're, th- you're thinking to yourself, how does that math equation take place? Right. I right. Got, I got right. you covered. I got this. Please. So the referee, the referee um, has it 30-27 U. He even gave you the third round. Damn. And then, uh, and then uh, Inokata, who is a regular, he's Japanese descent, regular judge from the island, okay. gives it 28-28. So you got one judge with 28-28, one judge 30, you know, 30-27, uh, and they give it a draw. It's, oh. it's, in, it's, it's just, there's, it's dope. there's no common sense. No, no. zero mills in the sensibility. How, how, how do you not have three judges? Right. I'm like, I, really? Really? Is this what's going on? By the way, sidebar, a caveat moment. Literally, this is when I meet BJ Penn. How cool is that? I meet BJ hey, Penn. But it's a young BJ Penn. Young, young BJ Penn. A little young whippersnapper. Whippersnapper. Yeah. Similac on his breath. Right? But he, I, literally, <laughs> I knew of him and what he was good at. The, the Juhuji Juji. So at this time, BJ Penn actually was the first American to go to Brazil and win a tournament, uh, a jiu-jitsu tournament, as an American. Like, if you look at the accolades of BJ Penn, wow, wow, yes. Let me tell you, we hit it off like, like Soul Brother number one and two. Literally, I'm at this bar, and he's like, we're going to get out of here. I'm like, all right, we go to some other bar, take you take me to a strip club. I'm like, eh, I've been there before, I've worked in one. So we're at this other bar. And he had some about 99 hot chicks and one ugly one in Hawaii. I was actually, no joke, I was looking for the ugly one. <laughs> I was looking for the ugly one. I wanted to see what they called ugly. So literally, I didn't find her, but I'm talking to some, yeah, that chick. In the corner of my eye, I see a dude, but I don't get no damn because I'm Sean Carter. I'm Mr. Fucking International. I'm Anaconda Carter. Come over if you want. Bring the smoke. I got a match for you. Literally, he's coming, and all of a sudden, I see BJ Penn walking up off in a 45. When I'm looking at this guy coming off at a 90, talking to her at another 45 at a convex angle, BJ cocks back. I'm like, damn, it's too late. <laughs> I'm looking at Hawaiian boobies. I'm sorry, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna take one. He cracked him, he knocked the dick out, knocked this dude's dick outdoors. He knocked this guy out like. You know, like that old ass Clint Eastwood, any which way you can. Bah! And I flinched. I'm like, what was the reason? 
he BJ saw this guy being in on me because apparently I'm talking to his girl because that's I'm, an attack dog. Right, because literally they didn't like the fact that I'm coming over there hitting on their women. She was all up in my face piece and I'm all up in the in the boobies. He knocked the guy out. He says, brother, I got your back. I'm like, what you hitting for? Because he got him before he got you, yeah, at least in his head. Right. And it may have just been a scolding. Right. <laughs> BJ didn't give no fucks. He is part Irish. He's BJ no fucks given. <laughs> and literally, they, the guy eventually wakes up and apologizes. Yeah, I always heard BJ kind of ran the island, man. Well, most people don't know that he's the... Uh, Penn Communications is the cable company, and they own... The damn hospital, and, and he's a bad boy. And he's he's yeah, that dude. Don't don't let the money fool you. Yeah, yeah. he uh, yeah. BJ swim to the bottom of the water, bring up rocks out of the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, he that dude. So at this point, like, it's kind of hard to describe how crazy the '90s were. But if I were to kind of give an example, it would be your next fight at Extreme Challenge 27. So Shoney isn't getting UFC love at this nope. point. No, nope, I'm a stepchild, and. Your record is 25-1-2. Yeah. Had Khabib Nurmagomedov, 25-1-2. He's 25-1-2. And the UFC champion at the time is a guy named Pat Militich. Yeah. yeah who's 29-2-2. Who I mean, legit UFC title holder. Mm-hmm. Didn't get it handed to him. He earned it. At Extreme Challenge 27, Shoney Carter fights the current UFC title holder because he wants his shot. I, I and you weren't going to get it on TV. Right, right. That's how, that's how nuts it is. It was batch, It was squirrel shit nutty. I'm talking squirrel shit. Like this, after the squirrel been partying all night, he eating a bunch of acorns and he takes a shit and he don't know what he ate last night and he had a bunch of shit. He ate Snickers and acorns. Okay. Let's, get, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's get this, pull this together. So you got Pat Militich yeah, in his hometown. In a baseball field. In a baseball field. In a boxing ring. Yes. Well, it was a cage. Ca- well, whatever. It was a caged boxing ring. Now. With exposed, lots of exposed everything. Yeah. I hit Pat Militich with a double overhook Yoko Ricard. I mean, Yoko Otoshi. It's called a Salto. I can teach y'all that. Y'all have my number. 312 Okay, bring Crash Pad. Or come to me. So, literally, I throw Pat. It's the only takedown of the fight. The only, the only throw. Yeah. Got him in a side control headlock. The current. Current UFC title holder. Right. So, did, did you have an adrenaline dump in that fight at all? Do you recall that? I, I remember I was in there. I was starting to feel my balls were getting hot. <laughs> So I still have kind of you start kind of getting like a little awkward in your, yeah. in your offense in the third round. Yeah, I, I had to thank you, lady. Yeah. I, I was what was the reason? You think it was an adrenaline dump, or was it other other reasons behind that? Well, one, Patty Patty was no joke. Pat Mosley was no joke, and no, no, no and, I mean, and, and, and pressure. Let's right. talk about his pressure too. Dude, like it's dude. not only easy no. I'm fighting the best in the world. I'm fighting the dude. That yeah. is the dude. And literally, I'm like, this is digging into my intestinal fortitude. And I'm like, ah, damn. I only ran six miles a day, every day, twice a day, to make sure I didn't gas out. 
And people were like, why are you doing the cardio? You was never. You're fighting the number one guy in the world. In the world. I wanted to make sure I was above and, 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 and you know, let's see what. How many people have that opportunity in life? Right. Like, you're just that honor. You ain't. You, you owe it to the game. To do in shape. Your first job is in shape, no matter what it is. If you, if you play basketball on the streets, you get one time to play LeBron James. Yep. Or, or Steph Curry. Excuse me, Michael Jordan. Yep. What do you do? You shooting a thousand, ten thousand yep. jump shots a day. Yep. That's why I treated it because I respect him and I'm not going to be training that part time. No, every day. Kyle, keep it 100. Can I keep it 100? I was turning down sex. Really? So you and were even doing the abstinence. I was literally working in a strip call, club called Scarlet's, which now is Pink Monkey. And literally, I was, and I was that dude working in a strip club, and girls saw me on TV from other stuff. I knew that I was fighting around in Chicago, and they knew I fought and beat Manson Gibson. People were talking about me. This is a 13-time world champion. So then let's talk about Manson Gibson. Manson yeah. Gibson is somebody that was a K-1 guy, local yeah. K-1 guy. yeah. That at the time, the Michael Jordan of K1 was Ernesto Hoost. Mr. Hoost. And some would argue that in their fight in K1, Manson Gibson beat him. I saw the footage. He he dropped Ernesto Hoost not once or twice. And the decision got stolen from him. And I think it was in Japan where Ernesto had all this this fanfare. And I'm going from memory now. I mean, I don't have these notes. on YouTube. So... In essence, what takes place is, and, and these are the little footnotes we do, it's MMA history. Right. So, in essence, what takes place is er, uh, Manson Gibson, he's not the easiest guy to deal with. No. And when you take him out of his element, like Japan, he's even more difficult. Oh, my word. And he was so difficult to deal with, they never had him back again. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And literally, fighting Pat, literally, I'm talking... I was, people can say I'm exaggerating. Listen, I've got the journals that I stole back from the Ultimate Fighter that I would log my workouts and literally, I was doing anything from 1,500 to 2,000 reps a day in bodyweight calisthenics, training for Pat Militich, Manson Gibson, Dave Monet. Anybody that knew me, they thought I was picking up mail at the gyms. I would be in Export at Logan Square. I would be Chicago Fitness Center. I would be at, at Yoshimura. Yoshim, yeah, yeah, I would be at John Yoshimura's gym. I was literally, <laughs> if I went to your gym, I would go home, drop the stinky laundry, put it in the washing machine, scrap something to eat, drink a protein shake, go back, make another protein shake, go back to the gym, weightlifting, cardio, hitting the heavy bag, doing 17,500 meters on a row machine. A day, twice a day, go to Maywood's Training Center, export. It didn't stop. I never stopped. So I was trying to keep my heart rate at least 40 beats a minute. So what happens in the third round when you, when you fade just a little bit? Literally, he showed up. He was a champion. And just had that championship yeah, drive on. Yeah, and he threw a head kick and it... Oh, dude, he cracked you a couple He times. cracked me. I was like... Arr! And then it, it re-woke me up. And he got you like twice with that. Yeah, yeah. one was at the, the, the beginning the, of the round, beginning of the fight. Beginning, yeah. That, that, I have that fight on VHS. Yes. I need the poster. I want the poster. If y'all anybody can find it, let me know. Shoney Carter, Yahoo, or three one two nine seven eight zero seven eight two. So yeah, 
Yeah, and it goes the it goes the distance. You know how I got hurt in the fight? That fight? What's that? I broke my pinky toe. Uh. When I jumped up on the turnbuckle, it was like, yeah! And I, wait, wait, so I broke my pinky toe. All right, so let me, let, let, me, let me kind of set this table a little yeah. bit. So they announced Shoney. Shoney comes in. You're kind of doing the whole kung fu thing. You're wearing the yellow with the black. The Bruce Lee tracksuit. Like, track like yeah. the Kill Bill tracksuit. And you're also going to be Hollywood Shoney at the time. You're not yes. Mr. International. No, yet. I'm Hollywood. Hollywood, Hollywood Shoney. I'm trying to get in the movie. Still. So the announced Shoney, he comes to the cage. You obviously like to put on a little bit of a show. This is me. Grabs the corner of the cage, and you do a flip with by tying your feet into the cage. Didn't quite get the full thing. And you, you broke your baby toe? Broke the pinky toe. Oh, no. Broke the pinky toe. Finished the fight. Broke the pinky toe. Broke the pinky toe. Before it even started. Yeah. That's broke rough. the whole fight with a broken pinky toe. Not fun. You can't get a cast on a pinky toe. Is that the reason you take a few months off from fighting? Took a few, yeah, it takes some time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for those of you guys that know, Pat, you, Shoney loses a, a spirited decision. Yes. To, the world champion at the time, but it yep. was a hell of a fight. Yep. <laughs> Who do you think was more difficult for you, he or Dave Manet? Dave Manet. Not even thinking about it. Really? I, I, if, Dan, if Monty Cox had ever put Dave Manet and Pat Melodies together, I'm telling you, Beyond any unreasonable doubt, without disrespecting Pat, Dave Manette gets that win, gets his hand. I gotta look at the record. I, I think they may have fought in a tournament. If they did, yeah. I'm telling you. But it was a tournament, tournament right. setting. You know? If that mm-hmm. was them both fresh, I guarantee you, if you took them both in their prime and put them on TV right now, people would be like. I, Dave Manette is one of those unsung heroes. Yeah. He won a Shidakan <sighs> world title, too. He won a Kuwaiti tournament. Won a Kuwaiti tournament. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. The Kuwaiti Shikishi And I was like, and then literally, I was blocked from being in that car by a certain individual. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So from there, you take a few months off. Yep. The Ironheart Crown. Yep. So the Chicago Challenge mm-hmm. turns into the Ironheart Crown. Yep. Eric Moon. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's a legendary promotion. Dr. Eric Moon. Dr. Eric Moon. Braulio Gracie, senior black belt. Braulio Corral. Braulio Corral. They, they start what is known as the Ironheart Crown here, which, which is a, a fantastic event, always very well attended. Yes. I, if there was one fault, I would say they ran way too late. They, they would end at like one and two in the morning yeah. at times. Yeah. But, it, it, you know, what are you going to do? It is what it is. So they put him in a format, they put Shoney in a format term. Yeah. And what happens is the IHC, Ironheart Crown, yep. they kind of pride themselves on having some just incredible just competitors, combatants yeah. on it. It wasn't those soft matches. No. So they call Rodrigo Vadgi. Yeah. And they Professor say, Rodrigo they ask him for his number one student. Yep. He mentions a man by the name of Steve Berger. I remember him. And Berger says he will only fight in that tournament under one condition, and that is to fight you in the first round. Wow. So Steve Berger, for those at home, he's a 50 Fight Club member, such yep. as yourself. Yeah. And, and, you know, I should have began with this 50 Fight Club member, Shoney Carter, which is a small club. Yeah. And Steve Berger has a losing record. He, he might be like 20, maybe 27, you know, on his online record, but he's got 50 fights. Yeah. And he's, you sit there and you look at it and you're like, oh, 
you know, okay, you know, he's got 50, he's, you know, he's got 20 some odd wins. And then you look at the totality of his work, the body of his work, yes. it's insane. Out of those like 25, 27 losses, I, I would say all of them had fought in the UFC at one point <laughs> shortly after that fight. Right. And over half of his wins, those people fall into that category as well. So Steve Berger is no punk. Not at all. And, and the Red Nose Pitbull yep. has been hearing about this gentleman named Shoney Carter. Yeah. yeah. And he said, oh, you want me to fight Shoney in his hometown? I want him first. That way there's no excuses. You want to walk us through this one? I remember this fight, and literally, when I mean literally, I, I never underestimate anybody. Right. But I give no fuck about who you got in your corner. I don't give a damn if you got... Elio Gracie, Rodrigo Vachi, Carlson Gracie Jr., Sr., Hoyce Gracie, Enzo Gracie, Carlson Clark. Go ahead, man. What, is? what happened? Shit. So we go through this fight, and I, I remember hitting him with a spinning back fist. It didn't knock him out. He gives me a triangle choke. I didn't tap out, but it was a long-ass time. Huh. I must have had like that buzzing sound after I finally got out. And I'm like, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get all three Steve Burgers back to the center of the ring. I'm like, I gotta fight three motherfuckers at the same damn time. It's some bullshit. So I'm just winging bombs and he's throwing bombs and I'm trying to do my whole slip and move rolling. And literally, I remember this one. I actually remember seeing it on the highlight reel, which I don't remember in the fight. I ducked, slipped, and threw a spinning back fist, and it hits him, but I'm rolling away as I hit him, and it, it shakes his jaw, but it didn't finish him. Ah. Yeah, and literally, whatever they did in the ring or whatever, the the end of the fight, and I'm sitting there like, roar, 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 roar. I was like, why, did, why is there two Steve Burgers? Where did the third Steve Burger go? <laughs> and so they raised his hand, I'm like, fuck you mean, Willis? So Shoney takes a loss in his own yeah. backyard, yep. Yep. Which, which is something that has never happened up until this time. No, no, nobody. That's, that's your first loss at home. At home, I felt like the damn seventy-two and ten Chicago Bulls. Oh, what the fuck is this? Yeah. How how how, how does somebody explain? So Steve Berger eventually wins the tournament. Yep. And um, I get an outstanding you could take a hit award. Yeah, Steve. Steve's no joke, man. No, like his, his fight against Aaron Riley and Hook and Shoot is that's another one. One for the ages. Age, one for the age, ages. Age, age, age. So now we're getting close to the end of 1999, and I think it is a week later, less than a week. So that's November 6, 1999. Yep. That fight. November 11th, you find yourself on an airplane to fight in Pancrase in Japan. Takafumi Ito. All right. So Takafumi Ito. That's uh, first off. I, I need to kind of make a side note. Miguel, I pronounced that correct. Okay, there we go. Yes. So, um, no, no, I, 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 That's right, Miguel. Yeah, you did it right. So, uh, he fights... Shoney fights Taka... Takafumi Ito. Takafumi Ito. Thank special you. rules match. Well, Pancrase is all special rules. So, Takafumi is a member... Not only a member of the 55 Club, but he's, he's probably about 80 or 90 fights himself. And the he, majority of it easy. is in Pancrase. And he is like their hometown hero. Like, he is their big name at that time. Yep. Why don't you walk us through it? Special rules match. Takafumi Ito. 
He's a, he's a bad boy, man. Fish hooks, headbutts, elbows are allowed. Literally, I'm like, all right, cool. God rest his soul, fell asleep, tries to tell me I have to shave my goatee because they want clean-faced gaijin fighters. In pancreas. In pancreas. Right. So, so what, 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 what he showed, he's not telling you, it was the special rules. Everything he just mentioned, including punches on the ground, don't exist in pancreas. At, at this time. Nope. So pancreas is more of like a hybrid style yeah. to where you eliminate the punching of the face on the ground. So it, it kind of encourages more, more of like grappling, yeah. grappling with, with yeah. you know, the trans- chain, chain grappling. Right. Chain grappling. Right. right. With the, tra- the trans tour. Yeah. I had to fight on VHS as well. So yeah. literally. So they've eliminated it. Did you know that going into it or did they tell you in the locker room? They told me in the locker room. Isn't that great? In the locker room. Okay. How soon before that event did you fly out there? Inside of a week. Oh, that's rough, too. So you're yeah. dealing with jet lag as well. Jet lag. Okay, so that fight becomes a draw. However, and you know, I, you know, Shoney, I, and, and like, it's, you're here. Yep, yep. Of course you won. You know, of course. But if you really look at the totality of it, you got several throws in the first round. I throw. I don't do legs. But the Thank issue you. that surprised me was, was that Ito's wrestling... He, uh, he had top position on you a lot. lot. How does that happen? That was a Gumby, flimsy, slick, smooth veteran. That dude. He had more fights than you at the time. Right. Like, like, almost, like almost double. Right. And literally, I was like, somebody give me a damn a katana, a wakazashi. So I can cut his head. Bring me a blowtorch. I'm going to cut the head, burn the body, sprinkle the ashes. Because there was no killing this dude. He was not... Going away. Do not go gentle into that good night. A lot of headbutts. You, you, we were headbutting yeah, each other. You were on the receiving end of a lot of headbutts, for sure. Uh, you, y'all see the size of this skull? <laughs> I mean, this right here. I if, I if I have a headache or migraine, I really have a headache or migraine for three or four people <laughs> combined. And yeah, yeah. All right, so at this point in your career, we're talking end of 1999. This is your last four fights. Yeah. Loss. Yeah. Draw. Yep. Draw. Mm. Loss. Yep. Where, where are you at mentally? Baby mama drama. Wow. And this is my, not my daughter's mother as much. God rest her soul. It was my son's mother. <laughs> she was stressing me. Man, during training camp. Now I'm with the, the infamous Shiana Yoshimura. More than I'm with Bob Sherman. More than I'm on the trade wrestling team. Uh-huh. I'm trying to get the us, you know, this stuff together. And I'm trying to learn stuff that the other guys don't do. I was trying to go to Tokan Judo Academy. I was going to the Greco Roma. I was trying to I was trying to get stuff that the kids didn't do. Well, I remember one time during training, Eddie Oshimura got so frustrated with my phone ringing when it was prime code. <laughs> Flip phones. Literally, she called the gym so much. You talk about Phyllis Lee when you say she. No, no, no. Oh, your baby mama. mama. I apologize. Okay. Yeah, she called so much. Eddie said she was going. He was going to kick me every time she called. Whether it was a thigh kick or a shin kick with his Timberland boot. He used to wear. I wonder if he ever retired the boots. Well, she called ninety-six times in a training session. I got kicked. What, what was the issue? You ain't no way you're gonna tell me you've been in training this, me, 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 you know, 
Fellas, nonsense. Fellas, nonsense. ladies, nonsense. you have to have a teammate when you're training, when you're trying to get, the, trying to grab that brass ring, when you're trying to do the damn thing. My son's mother didn't believe that I was training at all. But also my fault, I got caught up with the big booty, blonde haired girl from the strip club, and she got <laughs> pregnant, and all the sisters was mad at me, because I was like, oh, you ain't white. You know, I did all the things I said, but she was doing a split, and she was, she was pre-twerking. Okay, let's get to And so it's, training, it's, training was my life. That's what I did. And when I was fighting, people didn't realize that that was what I lived fighting and training. And when I couldn't quite get, it was even in time of training outside of her, it was like, sometimes it's just you go into a funk. Yeah. You know, like Babe Ruth struck out over a thousand times. Michael Jordan missed a bunch of jump shots. Right, you know, right, right, right. All right, so you, you had mentioned, first, if I don't ask this question, please, go I ahead. will not hear the end of this. Okay. Okay, you mentioned Phyllis Lee. Yes. That's your manager. Yep. In essence, I'm Phyllis fine. Lee, older woman manager, former female pro wrestler, did yeah. the Carney circuit. Yeah. Not real refined? Pleasant. Not pleasant at all. Not pleasant at all. So, your, what was the payday for your fight against Ito? Maybe $2,000. Maybe. And, and no corner, or did you, did you get a corner? Focus. I don't remember a corner. If, if I had a corner, it was I Brian. Was, I, I, I think Brian was there, but I wasn't sure if Brian was on a card. If, if kind Brian of was there, if anybody was there, it would have been Brian. Okay. And upon further reflection, much older now, I know beyond any unreasonable doubt, you can argue with me about it. I left a lot of money on the table because I was looking not just as the fight, because me in the fight was like you drinking a Coca-Cola, eating a turkey sandwich on a hot summer day. I wanted that damn quarter million dollar platinum belt with the six carat sunburst diamond. I wanted that belt because I always wanted to show the kids back home that if you have a dream, you put forth an, eff an efficient, effective action plan to execute excellently. And I was traveling the world when somebody else is dying. And they kept bringing me back. And I was like, what do I got to do to get that damn belt? <laughs> and he was I, like... I would even say you were kind of a belt whore. I am a belt slut. Yes. I, yeah. I am a slut. 27 title belts and counting. I'm not done. I'm going to the New Breed Challenge September to try to get that belt that looks like the UFC replica belt. I'm going to try to fight. Mike Tyson extended my warranty. Roy Jones extended my warranty. So we're talking like 90s MMA, yep, yep, and, yep, and yep. the one thing that we haven't brought up up until yep. this point, and, and that concludes your fights that are on record in the yep. 90s, but let's kind of dabble in some of your fights that aren't on record. Oh, so the Tropicana. Oh. So let's talk about the, you know, the elephant in the room. So the Tropicana is this nightclub downtown Chicago, and Shoney, I believe you were one of the, the bouncers there initially? No, no, no. It was. I was training with Master Bob Shermer, and we had okay. a Cook County shift, and then Pat Donovan. He had talked about it and heard about it. Lieutenant. Lieutenant. Ooh, ooh, Lieutenant. Ooh. Okay, at the time. Yeah, Lieutenant now. Lieutenant yeah, now. good dude. That's a good contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to talk to you, uh, Mr. <laughs> Lieutenant Donovan. So he talked about this club, and I'm like, two tits in the bucket, fuck it. And he was like, Sean, you gotta check this out. They think they, I was like, man, what ifs? 
So I go down there. I'm, now, mind you, I'm that dude from the west side. And you know this. Grimy. Grime. I'm, I'm, grime. I'm a cable man during the day. <laughs> I'm training I'm training on the clock as a cable man when it was media one. I would throw the cones out. Tell you, I'm installing. I ain't installing shit. I'm in the dojo. So I was, I was cobbler of Mono in Cicero, Illinois. So literally, when Diamond or Pat came to the class and told me about it, I roll up, find out I'm them with a Chevy, uh, a Chevy Impala SS. Windows tinted, I had the, the 411 rear end with the dual exhaust. <laughs> you know, it literally did. <laughs> when you do like this, so y'all do like this. All right, all right, let's like talk this. about the Tropicana. So I'm in the, <laughs> I'm in the club, right? And I run up in the club and he's speaking Spanish, I don't speak Spanish, I'm just looking at the miniskirt. It's a Latin club. Yeah. Latin club. So, He's the guys on the mic talking. Then the the house champion, his name was Juan, but they call him the Iguana. And so they saying something, and then they doing that Spanglish, you know, the Spanglish translation. And so the the dude Calvin does this. Some of esto eres en mielo. So in essence, it's a shout out to the audience, right? About who isn't scared to fight this, right? Guy. No, but he does this. To, he gives me the Marine Corps knife hand. And you don't do that. Because if V-Line, it, ironically, I'm standing there. And he, he goes, I said, oh, oh yeah. You know, Kekinda said. And he said, and he was like, what? I said, dude, y'all, Mario from the barrio. Fuck you say. Yeah. He said you scared. I'm a U.S. Marine. Before I was all this other, I was an art major in the U.S. I was a U.S. Marine before I was an art major. That could paint. That could paint pictures. I, you got my number, doing some murals on your wall. I got this, this wall is making me drool. But listen, you don't call a Marine scared. So how many times did you fight at the Tropicana? Oh my. One night in particular, I never left the ring. I did six fights in one night. So the Tropicana was just a, a underground... I don't even know if it was underground. They no, it was right. No, it was. They didn't care. They didn't get no. They were. They were part Irish. You know, Mexicans and uh, part Irish because they have no fucks to give. Gives no fucks. And literally, so I you about, became you became the new house champion. I fought the house champion and it fought him for forty five minutes nonstop. They cut the lights on, stopped the fight. Then we had a, a part two the next week. We fought for another thirty minutes. Could you not finish him? Dude, they had these big ass Bruce Lee Kung Fu gloves and they didn't want to do bare knuckle and then I brought my MMA, I brought two pairs of MMA gloves. So that's probably how they skirted around the rules. It was a tough man competition. Right. Okay. It was those big, okay. those Bruce Lee those I, I never, I never, you know, I've seen some video on it, none of it yeah. online. But no, I got, I got the footage, don't worry. How many times did you think you fought there? 60, 70 times. In essence, we're looking at the Josh Neer of Chicago. What Josh yeah. Neer did in Iowa, Shoney, about a decade Every, earlier. Oh, I was fighting every week. Would they pay you for the night or for per fight? They they would give me two hundred fifty bucks, three hundred bucks a night. Period. Flat Period. fee. Flat fee. No matter how many times you fought. And I usually would pay my daughter's, my oldest daughter's private school tuition with the money. When it was only two hundred fifty dollars. How many people you fought may have been drinking? Oh, it was easy to. 300 people. I mean, that, maybe 500 people. Did you fly drinking at, at the truck? Oh my God. Everybody. I used, <laughs> I, used to, I remember this one guy named Hank. You, you know, the, the, the cartoon, Hank, American Family Guy, whatever, you know, tall like, go down, tall like, you know, with the tank with the, with the tank top. And so he thought he was going to get his punk ass up in that ring 
and with the beer gut, with the brown belt, with the with the with the, with the horseshoe belt buckle, and I'm and I literally got that on VHS, and I and I literally I felt bad because this dude could not. No, no. So he fought with a belt buckle on. He fought with the jeans and a belt buckle on, and 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 he was. This, this is a Brad Kohler type right, type right. situation. Okay. And I literally got my hooks in, and I thought I, I licked my hand, and slapped the cow walking shit out of. Blah, Charlie Murphy, Blah, and I, I slapped him into submission. I started slapping him on his back. When you and your back get wet, and somebody slapped you, you know, and that skin, that meat make it that sound like you drop a T-bone steak on the counter. And yeah, how I, many Tropicana fights do you have on video? I got at least. I got you know them, them big ass grease uh, tubs yeah. that you buy at Walmart. Yeah. I have it full of VHS tapes. <laughs> Full of VHS tapes. And then there's some that when I met a guy on the bus. He had the other ones, but I, I lost contact with him. And he, there's a bunch of tapes out there of me that I don't have. But I have a ton of fights. I fought um, one night, Chris Chelios, former Chicago Blackhawks, wanted to come in and fight me. And this is when the Blackhawks were the Blackhawks. I said, and now mind you, we went on the other side of the ring. Sammy Sosa is sitting there. He's trying to speak to me in Dominican Spanish, and I didn't know the difference. And pre skin dye, Sammy Sosa. Yeah, but pre, yeah, this is this is chocolate, Sammy. <laughs> chocolate, Sammy. <laughs> and so he's saying something in Dominican, Dominicano, and so I'm like, "Qué quién decir?" And he's like, "You know, you know, Dominican." And I was like, "Ruben, he's Mexican. Ruben, Ruben Pasmino. Qué quién yeah. And he's like, he goes, pie, I don't know. I was like, he's speaking Spanish. It ain't I, the same, bro. I didn't know. Yeah. I'm bro from the I'm Mario from the barrio. So <laughs> literally, he laughs and his brother Luis. So what takes place with Chris Chelios? Chris Chelios, his ass, I'm like, look at a stupid white boy. He could box. Right, right. He, said, he actually won a couple tournaments in high school. Oh I know. Yeah, I know. He, he I, could, I, I, I knew Chris Chelios could legitimately I'm box. I'm like, um, yeah. You trying to get me killed? I said, well, when I beat your ass, I get to go into Chicago. I said, all of them Chicago will kick my ass. And, and you know, Blackhawks on the west side, the west side of Chicago at this time, man, very dangerous, very. You know, in, in, in predominantly right. black. Yeah, right. That's However, right. how many Blackhawks jerseys do you see on the west side? I'm not going to fight you. You can't do it. Right, I'm not. You can't. Do it. I'm telling you, you can't do it. You right. can't do it. So this is what happened. Chris did fight that night. Did he really? Dude, dude, he was a Blackhawk, a Stanley Cup Blackhawk. So we had this one little guy, a little pretty face, little boy named Jerry Lazar. He was about 130 some pounds. I said, if you get past little Jerry Lazar, I got you. We can run. How did he do? Jerry Lazar was hitting him like a machine gun shooting a tank. Chris was. Eating him? Eating him. I'm like, oh, goddamn. Chris can fight. Chris can fight. Chris can fight. So, Mount Carmel, Mount Carmel High School, 64th and Dante, your neck of the woods now, south side now, uh, has a boxing, pro a storied boxing program uh -huh. that's about 50 years old. Wasn't a past to the or something? And Chelios won that tournament twice. Right. Yeah. He, yeah. He, and it's, it's a legitimate tournament. I know it's no a, bullshit. Oh, it's a you know, Chris high school fight. tournament. He can fight. Right. He could fight. A funny, true story. I almost got into a fight over Chris Chelios. 
I'm in Arizona. What, what is it? Timberwolves? What the hell? What do they call Coyotes. it? Coyotes. It's a dog. Whatever. <laughs> so I'm going to, to train with Chris Lytle, Edwin DeWeese, uh, Joe, Riggs. Joe Riggs, Dean Thomas. You were at the lab, I'm assuming? Yeah. Okay. So this this one jabroni, which I won't. Lally Brothers? Okay. Right. Go ahead. So the guy, Todd Justice, I'm going to smash him. So we were out of the training camp, and so he wanted to take us to. Uh, Coyotes game. I didn't get it because I'm not a hockey buddy fan at that time because I'd never watched hockey. But I respect all the athletes. I didn't know Chris Chelios was like a player or a coach or something. Stud. Right. Yeah. So I'm, we, we were up in the, the VIP wealthy part of the hockey. I got bored. I'm not that dude. I don't like to look at something I'm not interested in for a long time. So we got, I got the super lanyard with the, with the placard, and I'm like, oh, that's how y'all do it? Because it was some hot-ass chicks there. I mean, these, these chicks was like mythical bad. I'm like, you know, I'm going to end up getting a bunch of chicks pregnant in Arizona. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm gonna go down. Show some oats. <laughs> right, I'm trying to get away because I'm counting babies' mamas, right? <laughs> I had two at the time. So I'm trying to go and them Arizona women love them some just some Chicago chocolate. So I'm going down on the glass. They kind of, I actually started getting into the hockey. And they could stop moving. News news were big. I didn't know. They stopped and then all of a sudden this one thing is comes up to the eyes and I'm like, hi, I'm behind the glass. I'm like, I flinched, no lie. It's Chris fucking Chelios. I'm like, Chris Chelios, and I'm hitting the glass. Yeah, now, now you're interested. Yeah. Right, Chris fucking Chelios. And he's like, show me Carter. Everybody is freaking out. It, you, know, I, I, you know, if I may end the story, yeah. you're probably not hard to spot in the audience. Right. You might yeah. be the only black guy in the audience. I'm the black guy. <laughs> In the audience. <laughs> Literally, he's like, Shorty Carter, I'll be right back. Out fucking standing. And so everybody's like, You know Chris Chelios? Like, no, Chris Chelios wasn't. Yeah, right. Never heard of him. Never yeah, heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> so, in between that little intermission thing, because they're playing the game, I'm still sitting there like, Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead, Chris. Because I didn't realize how fast hockey was. Yeah. And how do I always get into a fight? I'm going to speed this up. Chris comes up with his stick, and he pulls out a sharpie on the ice, <sighs> on the on the blade thing. So I jump, I, I can't, I got a, I got a horrible vertical, I'm horrible. Black man can't jump. So <laughs> I'm like trying to grab it, and I jump, and it, it touched my finger, and I, I used the, like the fish hook, the monkey paw from Karate Shikon, us. I hooked the pad, the, the stick, I didn't grab the blade, I grabbed the stick. Some swing dick jabroni behind me, snatched it, and then it ripped my shoulder out of socket. Then the inner west side came out. I turned, and I'm about to just land base. Mid-punch, you realized what? <laughs> right. And I realized, oh, shit, I'm surrounded. I'm the black guy in the audience. The only Hawks fan. Yeah, yeah. So I'm about to turn and go, I'm about to just knock his dick outdoors, but then I'm like, don't do it. And Chris like, Shorty, no, no, no. I'm like, he's banging on the ice to stop me from fighting. A hockey player. <laughs> that's, a, that's known for fighting. He's known for fighting. <laughs> who can fight. Tells me don't do it. That's <sighs> fantastic. I get up off the bench. I go back up to the, the, the boobs and booze and the, at the brawls. 
at the at the VIP department of the hockey game. So, Shoney. Yes. This concludes the 1990s. Yes. Arrow fighting. I'm going to hold you to it. Yes. Give it about a month, month and a half. Chris Lytle is going to join us, and we're going to go through UFC, WEC. Um, he fought in Japan a few more times. Yes. And um, Russia, Germany. We're, we're going to do a deep dive. Like, this is the 90s deep dive. We yes. can't get it all here. Australia. I also got to see Chris probably in a few yeah. weeks. I'm not trying to answer some questions that... Yeah. Yeah, I don't have answers to. Right. So Gary. Right. We're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end this here, Shoney man. Right. Dude, Shoney. Love you, man. I love seriously you. thank hey. you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for this has been fun. excellent interview. Yes, love it. And we're gonna have you back. Keep it about a month, month and a half, brother. Sure. If y'all wanna find out anything about me training with me, 312-970-0782 or Shoney Carter at Yahoo. S H O N I E Carter Yahoo. Text me first. Thank don't you guys. Appreciate you guys joining us. <laughs>